Welcome back, everybody. I am excited today to be talking about five different ways to respond when anxiety shows up. So this could be in our life, this could be in our relationship, this could be at work. This is really in general with anxiety, but of course, being the You Love and You Learn podcast, I am going to weave in some examples of how this shows up in a relationship context. So The reason I wanted to talk about this today is because it's something that comes up so frequently. We were just talking about this last night with my Beyond the Doubts group coaching. I talk about this with my private coaching clients, and it's really important for me to share more about this because I found when I was in the thick of my relationship anxiety, I didn't feel like I had tools or ways of thinking about the anxiety that actually were helpful for me. I felt like my instant reaction, I don't know if you can relate to this, was help quick, I need to fix this, I need to make this go away as soon as possible, instead of looking at the anxiety in a way that maybe wasn't so big and scary. I felt like I was always quick to judge it, I was quick to want it to go away, to resist it being there in the first place, and then that made it into this bigger thing that I was not only uh, having a hard time managing, but it was actually even scarier then and bigger for me to move through because I made it into um, this big bad monster, if you will. I want to acknowledge before I jump into any of these five that all of them do involve practice and time. So please be patient with yourself because, again, these are not ways of looking at anxiety that I think that we've been taught as frequently. So I hope that they are helpful. The first one is responding to anxiety in a neutral way, not adding a layer of meaning on top of the anxiety or the experience of the anxiety. So what do I mean by that? A lot of times as I alluded to, when anxiety shows up, we might think or even respond in a way that assumes that it is bad or wrong or it needs to be fixed and solved for right away. And this is us unintentionally adding a a layer of meaning on top of what the anxiety is. So for example, Um, Let's say that you wake up in the morning and you roll over and your partner's laying next to you and you feel a sense of anxiety and then you're like, wow, that shouldn't be here. That would be adding a layer of meaning on top when really, in fact, it is just simply a thought and we can choose to look at it as a neutral thought. So we could respond in a way of, well, this is just a thought or That was a random thought from my brain, and hmm, my brain has a lot of random thoughts throughout the day. Okay, interesting. The reason I say to respond in a more neutral way is because if you kind of look at it from an outsider's perspective, most of our thoughts are neutral, but we are the ones that are kind of assigning which thoughts we deem as good or bad or right or wrong. But if we judge the anxiety always as bad or wrong, then it's going to feel like a bigger deal. So the first way to respond when anxiety shows up is in a more neutral way. And again, 
These will involve practice, but bear with me through all five, and hopefully I will tie it up nicely with this last point uh, that will apply to all of the first four as well. The second way to respond when anxiety shows up is with compassion, gentleness, and an understanding that the body and the mind are doing their job. So anxiety is really usually just a sign of some sort of big emotion in the mind and body. So for me, I can speak from my experience, usually that means fear. So fear of the uncertainty, the unknown. It could be fear of failure, fear that I'm not good enough, fear that I'm doing something bad or wrong, whatever it is. It could be a sadness or a grief or even an irritation, whatever it is, but the anxiety is usually there because of something going on. And ultimately, our brain and our body forever have been working to keep us safe and to protect us. And sometimes they do their job too well. Sometimes they are so worried about protecting us that things that maybe don't need protecting from become a threat. So let me give an example here in a relationship context for what I'm talking about. So if we worry that we may find, let's say, a future incompatibility. Last night in my group program, a lot of us were talking about this big fear of what if I find out that there is an incompatibility in the future and I have to leave my relationship. And the ironic part about that question is, you have a fear that you'll have to leave your relationship, which means that you don't want to leave your relationship. And so it's this big backwards fear. But anyways, let's say we do have that fear. And of course, this is something I talk all about in my Is It Anxiety or Incompatibility webinar. But let's say we worry, what if I find this future incompatibility? What that will do is then you will become hypervigilant to look and scan for any potential incompatibilities even if you are in a loving relationship or even if all signs point to this is a healthy relationship. So instead of always needing to be on high alert, even though our brain and body are doing such a good job, we can respond with more compassion and more gentleness and simply thank our mind and body for trying to keep us safe. Instead of working against the anxiety, we can befriend it, if you will, and thank the anxiety for doing its job to try and keep you safe. You could even have a phrase that you use, such as, you could even maybe give yourself a little hug. Just allow the thought or the feeling to be there that is big and scary, but just say, thank you, anxiety, for trying to keep me safe. I think I've got it from here. I think I've got this from here. So that second way to move through moments of anxiety to recap is with more compassion and understanding that it is trying to keep you safe. Moving on to the third way to move through or to respond to anxiety rather. So this one is more about acceptance acceptance that the anxiety is indeed present. So acceptance in some ways is the opposite of resistance. In the anxiety world, or in especially the relationship anxiety world, 
resistance can pop up a lot. And resistance might be, well, this shouldn't be here or oh, not now anxiety. I'm trying to enjoy the date night with my partner or I'm trying to have a good day at work. Why are you showing up? Or, you know, is this even really relationship anxiety or is this a sign that I really shouldn't be in my relationship? There's all sorts of ways that resistance will show up to the anxiety because it feels really uncomfortable. And a lot of times we resist what's uncomfortable. We resist the discomfort of whatever feelings are coming up because they just feel either too much or we feel they're inappropriate in some way. However, the anxiety that is showing up in the moment is already there, right? We can wish that it wasn't, but it is there. And so instead of resisting that it's there, we can actually just accept it and acknowledge it And it's okay, you know, bringing this level of acceptance like, okay, I'm feeling anxious right now. That is what it is and not trying to make it into something other than what it is. Here's where I think it gets really cool because the mind can hold two different things that are true at the same time. One thing that can be true is that you can trust yourself to eventually get through this anxious moment. So that can be true. You can trust that I can get through this anxious moment and at the same time, you can accept that anxious moment being there without needing to rush through it. It's, it's complicated, right? Those two things sound like the opposite. But how cool would it feel if you have this deep trust in yourself of, I've gotten through every single anxious moment up until now. So I trust that it will pass. I trust myself to get through it. However, I also don't need to rush through it. I don't need it to be gone more quickly and it will pass in the time that it passes. That just feels like (laughs) such a cool way to show up. And I know I myself am still practicing that, just being in total acceptance of whatever is going on. It's not easy but I'm working on that. So to recap the third way to respond to anxiety, it is with more acceptance of it being there. The fourth way to respond when anxiety shows up builds off of this last point of acceptance. And that is practicing embracing fear and discomfort when it arises. So when an anxious moment shows up, we can embrace it instead of fearing the fear and discomfort being there. So raise your hand virtually as you're listening to this if you've ever been anxious about being anxious. I know I have. We just talked about this last night on a group call. The fear of the fear, the anxiety about the anxiety. And no surprise, when we have anxiety about getting anxiety, then that can build it up even more into this big scary thing that should be avoided at all costs. So that can lead us to shutting down when we notice these big scary feelings coming up. So, oh my gosh, what if relationship anxiety shows up later today? What will I do? And then we find ourselves in this fear of the fear. We have, you know, this extra buildup of what could happen. I'm so scared. I don't know if I can handle it. And that makes the fear feel much bigger. 
and our ability to move through it and handle it feel much smaller. So if we can slightly shift instead of being afraid of the fear to actually embracing the fear or embracing that discomfort is usually a sign of growth, then we can slowly but surely trust that we're strong enough to handle it and change the narrative instead of, oh my gosh, what if this shows up later? It can be, I got this. I trust myself to move through these moments. I know that I'm capable of handling whatever shows up. So next time you notice yourself being afraid of being afraid or getting anxious about getting anxious, try reminding yourself that even just by being here right now, listening to this podcast, you now have some different ways to practice managing and responding to moments of anxiety when they arise. And that will help you hopefully feel like you have some tools in your tool belt or different ways to respond that are not the fear of the fear or the anxiety about the anxiety. I have talked about this before on social media, but one thing I want to add to this point that involves embracing the fear or the discomfort is this is going to involve some self-trust and Each and every single time you practice this, you have an opportunity to build more self-trust. Now, self-trust, I think we've gotten a little bit wrong. I think that we can, as a society, talk about self-trust as if you have to have full and total trust in every decision you make. Or I can only really, again, speak from my own experience and the experience I've heard of my clients, but... I've heard many people say, well, I just don't trust myself or how can I trust myself because I've messed things up in the past. And we think that self-trust is about getting things 100% right every single time. It's not. Self-trust, I would like to propose, can actually be more about I trust myself to be able to handle whatever happens. So in this example of embracing fear and discomfort, if you trust yourself to be okay no matter what happens, even if your day gets thrown off by anxiety or even if there is fear that arises, trusting yourself to be able to handle it is such a just grounding way to be because ultimately we have handled everything that's happened in our life up until now. It may not have been easy, and it doesn't mean that our life has been easy at all. It doesn't mean that some things have knocked us off of our feet, and it doesn't mean that we haven't had some really hard moments where we did doubt if we could keep going. But if you're here listening to this, you have kept going. And so this baseline of trust that I can figure things out, I can keep going, I can keep practicing, I can improve, I can grow, it will be really helpful as you respond to moments of future anxiety instead of being so afraid of the anxiety to the point where you even doubt if you can move through it. Because that's when the anxiety has power over you instead of you having a sense of anxiety, I got this, I got this. Last but not least, the fifth way to respond to anxiety. Now, this is an important one, and I saved it for last intentionally because I think there's some nuance around this that I wanted to talk through. 
So this fifth way to respond when anxiety shows up is by regulating your nervous system. Now, this one is, again, one that you might hear and say, well, doesn't that feel important? Why'd you save this for last? And even though in many ways you can argue this is one of the most important things you can do in response to anxiety, I think that soothing and regulating the nervous system is kind of a double-edged sword in some ways. Here's why. If you are only using nervous system regulation or soothing as a means to an end to quickly get rid of the anxiety, move on to the next thing, and just go, go, go. Personally, I think that is more of an escape rather than actually using it to reconnect to yourself and use it in a tool or use it as a means to reconnect to the present moment, get your balance again, and then keep moving forward. Now, escapes are perfectly normal at times, right? Sometimes I just want to escape and log on Netflix and binge a show and just kind of numb out. And when we're doing so intentionally, I think that is, you know, one thing. If we are getting in the habit of constantly using tools as a means to escape and, you know, this is the way that we are kind of responding in protection mode to um, move through this. It doesn't mean, again, that you're doing something wrong or bad, but if you have awareness that maybe I'm using this as a means to an escape, is there another way that I can use the same tool? Because we all have coping strategies, right? And All the coping strategies are meant to help protect us and nourish us, and they're in response to usually a fear or a difficult emotion or something that's come up in our life. However, sometimes that same tool can be used in a slightly different way, and you might get a different response that feels really exciting. So that's why I wanted to talk through that nuance. Using your nervous system as a way to slow down, reconnect with your mind and body in the present moment can be such an empowering thing. And this is one of the things that I really learned the most about, I would say, in the last few years as I've been navigating this journey. It was something I talked about in my trauma-informed training, one of the most important facets of understanding trauma in the body is understanding the nervous system. And what is the nervous system? Like, what is regulating our nervous system? So our nervous system has two main parts. There's the part that allows us to rest, which is the parasympathetic nervous system, and the part that is involved in fight or flight mode, the sympathetic nervous system. And fight or flight is those classic feelings that take over our body when we feel under threat, and that can come up a lot of times when we're experiencing anxiety. Now, breath is one of the most common ways to regulate your nervous system, and there's a reason for that. The reason our breath is a big deal when involved in regulating our nervous system is because deep breathing slows down our heart rate, lowers our blood pressure, and helps stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system to bring us in a calmer state. So I know that sometimes when people say, just breathe through it, we're like, what like why are you telling me that what's the point but it actually is a way to bring us into that calmer state and so if we're using it intentionally 
And if we're using it as a way to kind of reconnect to our body, to slow things down, to get back into the present moment, it can be such a valuable tool instead of trying to just breathe through it and then rush off to the next thing. So when our parasympathetic nervous system is active, which, as I mentioned, is the piece that allows us to rest, the sympathetic nervous system, which is involved in fight or flight, becomes less active. And our sympathetic nervous system is the one that pumps adrenaline and cortisol into our body. So that is where our feelings of anxiety can come up because those stress hormones can be pumped out when fight or flight mode is activated. So having tools like the breath or like the five senses, I'll explain more about that in a second, that our body can easily do and understand can be so useful. I have kind of two main ways that I talk about the breath and there's so many different breathing techniques. You know, YouTube has so many good breathing videos. There's also breath work, which is even more specific to kind of breathing in a certain pattern. But some of the quick tools, if you will, that I keep in my back pocket. And when I say quick, I don't mean that I use them quickly, but I just mean quick in the sense like I can quickly access them because they're so easy to remember are box breathing. And then another type of breathing, which I call like kind of connection to the body. So box breathing is pretty simple. The reason it's called a box breath is because you can think about uh, the shape of a box as you breathe in and out. So you inhale, hold, exhale, and hold for the same amount of seconds. Some people like to do four seconds at a time. So inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, and hold for four. And you can kind of visualize the shape of a box as you move through the breath. The next technique that I like to call is a little bit more of a connection back to the body. And that is I have one hand on my chest and one hand on my stomach. And you can do that laying down, sitting up, anything. And I really feel my belly expand and my chest kind of moving and my heart beating as I take deep inhales and exhales. My stomach expands when I take that inhale and then releasing when I do the exhale and just feeling the movement of your heartbeat and your stomach and just allowing yourself to kind of slow back into a natural rhythm of your breathing, especially if you're in that triggered place in fight or flight mode. As I acknowledged, breath can slow down your heart rate. And so you should feel if you're taking enough time to sit and do those breathing exercises that your heart rate has slowed down. So that is the breath piece. There's also the five senses or as many senses as you have available to you. And there is a technique called the 54321 technique, which is looking for five things you can see around you four things you can touch around you, so like a blanket or even your skin or your clothes, whatever you're wearing, three things you can hear in the environment around you, two things you can smell. So this one always kind of stumps me unless I have a candle or something I'm eating or whatever. Uh, And then one thing you can taste. So it's just an exercise to kind of take you out of the fast pace of the mind moving, moving, moving. And 
slowing down to just remember in the space around me unless of course you're in a physical threat like if someone's chasing you in a dark alley that isn't what I'm talking about if there's any form of like physical abuse happening like this is not what I'm talking about in this moment but if you're sitting at your desk and suddenly an anxious thought pops up and your wheels are off to the racetrack just like moving 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 your brain won't slow down and the, the brain is moving at 100 miles a minute, this can be one of those moments where you look around you and you kind of remind yourself in this physical environment where I'm sitting right now, I am safe. I'm physically safe. The mind is afraid there's something going on, but I am not in immediate danger. And doing the 54321 technique enough times kind of just brings you back into this moment. Now, both the breathing techniques and 54321 techniques I've found take a lot of practice because sometimes you might try them and you're like, ah, this isn't working. I knew I knew that my anxiety was just too much and that nothing will ever fix it. It's like that's resistance popping up, trying to not do the thing that we know could actually help us because it could actually, you know, work and then our anxiety won't be there to protect us anymore. So The mind is tricky. It doesn't want us to actually do the things that make us feel safe because it wants us to be on high alert. So that's why we have to practice these things. And if we want them to become second nature, it takes time and practice. So just to recap here, if you are looking for new ways to respond when anxiety shows up, you can respond in a more neutral way not adding a layer of meaning or judgment on top. You can respond with compassion and gentleness and an understanding that your mind and body are trying to protect you. You can respond with acceptance that the anxiety is present, not resisting that it is there in the first place. You can practice embracing the fear or anxiety that has shown up and reminding yourself that you are strong enough to move through it instead of being afraid of the anxiety showing up. And then last but not least, of course, you can regulate your nervous system. And the cool part about this last point, regulating your nervous system, is that if you are using it as a way to reconnect, ground, and show up for yourself in the moment, then Regulating your nervous system can actually be one of the first steps you take and then you can choose to respond with any of the first four um, tools or tips I mentioned. And even if you're using the nervous system regulation as a way to just kind of cope and move forward quickly, you can start to gain awareness that you're doing that and hopefully practice using it as a chance to just slow down a bit and ground and connect back to the moment. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you who are listening. And if you've shared the episode with a friend or someone else who you think might need it, I cannot thank you enough. Since the podcast is still fairly new, this is only the seventh episode. I would really appreciate if you took the time to leave me a rating and review. This is one of the best ways that the podcast can get out to those who really need to hear the message and I'm so passionate about getting this message out to people who really do need to hear it. I know so many people feel alone in having anxiety in a relationship or feeling like 
they hear all these perfect things about relationships and somehow their experience isn't measuring up. And I want them to feel heard and seen and have a resource that is talking openly about love and relationships in a way that feels helpful. So any rating and reviewing, I cannot thank you enough. And thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of the day. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Love and You Learn podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could rate and review the podcast because the more ratings and reviews there are, the more people that can hear this message. And it's really important to me to get this message out to the world and to create a space where people can learn about love and relationships in a way that is not judgmental, in a way that helps them expand their perspective from the cultural narratives that we've heard and seen in the movies and in Hollywood and the media. And the more ratings and reviews that are there, the more people that can hear this message. So thank you again so much. It really means the world to me that you are listening and see you in the next episode.